Who of you have never done a work product on structure? So I'm talking to a room full of experts. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting evening. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a bit of propaganda about my background. I think Gerard uh, covered most of it. If I have to ask you, what is a work breakdown structure? Just off the cuff. Yeah, in, in specific, the, uh, um, the project, what we need to do in the project. The work you have to do. Okay. Any more ideas? I think you want to break it up in more independent parts so that you can. It's easier to manage the complexity when you know you're dealing with this thing, then you're not having so much. Yeah. Separate them. This guy can work on the one part, and this guy can work on the other part without them being having to continuously talk to each other. Yeah. The, the point that I want to make is. Uh, what would you say if I tell you that a work breakdown structure is not a breakdown of work? <laughs> because it is not. What we end up uh, um, including in a work breakdown structure is basically a breakdown of the products and the services that we're going to deliver from this project. It's the stuff that we produce, either physical uh, um, systems or services like training uh, or integration is a service that we, that we deliver. It is not primarily a breakdown of work. Sure, it includes the work that must be done in producing the products and the services, but it is primarily a breakdown of products and services, not a breakdown of work. So we say a, a work breakdown structure is a product-oriented arrangement of products and services that reflects the plan of how the objectives of a product are to be satisfied. Um, it is, in fact, a project breakdown structure. You will see everywhere that we use the word WBS, I have PBS in brackets or the other way around. In my mind, it, it should be have been called a project breakdown structure, not a work breakdown structure, uh, because it creates the wrong impression. It basically relates the elements of work or services to be accomplished to each other, to related end products and uh, or services uh, and to intermediate and constituent products and or services. So it relates the, the items and the services to one another. And, and how do we bring that together to form the solution that we have to deliver um, as part of the project? It uh, identifies and applies to a defined project, clearly. That's why we call it a project breakdown structure. Uh, it, it displays and defines each product and each service to be developed, produced or supplied by the project. Sometimes it uh, applies to a program at a higher uh, level of abstraction. And for each individual contract or project within the program, you would typically have a, a separate project breakdown structure. That is a, a classic example of a project breakdown structure. Um, <clears throat> in this case, uh, it is a project to produce a number of aircraft. Um, so below the project, all the items and services that we deliver, 
the overlay that you see there in green and red, green is typical team structures. That would be an example of an IPT, an integrated project team, uh, which has a very strong repre representation from uh, some of the lower level teams, as well as very strong representation by the stakeholder. That's in essence what makes an IPT different to a normal product development team. It is, it is established with the sole purpose to take this project from beginning to end. And it includes all the specialities so it's typically used on complex cross-functional uh, um, projects um, uh, where the stakeholder has a, a very big uh, uh, stake in this project and you want to keep him involved throughout the execution of the project. So uh, at the lowest level here, we would have typical product development teams, which is largely uh, of a single uh, functionality, typically. Um, but they would still all have representation on the, on the overarching IPT. That's what the, the red lines represent there. So the project breakdown structure clearly is, is also the basis for our team structures that we put together in a, in a project. So what is the, the purpose primarily of a project breakdown? It provides a framework, and it is the framework that everything in the project hangs from. If you don't have a good project breakdown structure, you are almost guaranteed to miss some critical aspects of the project in the process. So uh, it provides a framework for the definition of products to be realized and work tasks to be performed, um, directly related to the creation of the project deliverables or outcomes. Also a framework for allocation of responsibility and authority uh, within the project. So we saw the overlay of the team structures. Um, you could... Uh, 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 you would do the project breakdown structure in such a manner that you can isolate work packages easily that you can allocate to a specific team or possibly subcontract um, uh, and out to a subcontractor. It is the framework for doing costing and scheduling initially and ongoing, including uh, earned value management. Um, and we will see shortly if the work the project breakdown is uh, done correctly, if you roll up the cost of the bottom layer of elements, you will get the total cost of the, of the parent element. And that would be true for schedule as well. So having broken down the, the, the items and services to be delivered, you start doing costing and scheduling at the lowest level and roll it back up, and that would give you the total costing and scheduling for the project as a whole. It is a, a framework for specifying, measuring, controlling quality, cost, and schedule attributes of the intermediate products and work tasks. We would, for example, do risk management uh, on each of the items in the project breakdown structure. Contracting and subcontracting uh, intermediate products uh, um, becomes much easier if you've broken it down correctly and analyzing, measuring, and reporting project risks and status. I mentioned the use of EVM. I don't know if you're all familiar with earned value management, the old cost and schedule performance uh, um, indices that you can calculate. Uh, gives you a very, a very good indication of the trend, where you're heading with this project. Are you overspending or underspending, falling behind schedule, 
And if the, if the index is negative for the third month in a row, you know you're in serious trouble. And if you don't do something about it now, you're an idiot. <laughs> Purpose uh, of the project breakdown structure, from an organizational perspective, it provides a roadmap for concurrent management of elements uh, of the project, um, provides a structure for defining multidisciplinary product teams. We saw the overlay right at the start, how we can do that. Uh, designing team membership with horizontal and vertical integration. Uh, we saw the product development teams at the lowest level all had representation on the IPT. Uh, <clears throat> a structure for uh, deciding participation in technical reviews and audits. Uh, on that first overlay, uh, who would need to sit in, for example, on the requirements review for the aircraft? It would basically be uh, everybody that is represented in the lower level team structure. At least uh, um, every product development team would have a, a representative uh, on the IPT. From a technical perspective, it relates to the statement of work. Now, my next question, what is the statement of work? Of course, it's also a trick question. <laughs> But, uh, I had a, I must confess, I, I had a, a complete misunderstanding of what a statement of work is for a very long time. But uh, we used to do the work breakdown structure, and, and for each element in the work breakdown, a short, <coughs> sorry, a short description of what that element entails. What is, for example, the cost basis of the element, and I, I viewed that as the statement of work for a very long time. And it's not. It's what we refer to as a work breakdown structure index. A statement of work is, in fact, a specification of work to be done. So every service that you deliver, like training or integration, the, the specification of what that work entails, the, the standard at which it must be performed, is uh, written up in a statement of work. So the items that we deliver is specified in a requirement specification. The services that we deliver is specified in a statement of work. So a statement of work is a specification. It's a specification of a service to be delivered. So uh, it relates to statement of work and contract line item development. Um, um, the product tree for technical efforts provides a structure for interface identification and control because you have now identified the, all the major items to be delivered by the project. And for each item, the lower level breakdown is what, is what are the major elements of this item that I need to put together in order to realize this item. So uh, interface identification is, uh, is possible, uh, having identified the items. A tool for managing engineering change proposals, because the engineering price uh, ECPs that we do is done on an item-by-item item basis. Uh, a structure for work package authorization uh, or uh, for conduct of work and for materials and parts uh, ordering. Um, and you <coughs> if you structure the, the project breakdown well, you could open up these work packages progressively as the project
progresses. Uh, as any good project manager would know, you never open up all the work packages on day one. Because there will be somebody that was reading a comic book and now at the end of the week he is looking for a number to book on. And I have had some of them booking on numbers for tasks that doesn't start even in, in, in the next three months. So <laughs> that's why you, you open the work packages progressively. Provides a structure for technical reviews and audits, we've already said. So what are the components of a, a project breakdown? The project breakdown structure index, which is a hierarchical structure of products and services. It can be in a graphical form or in an indented list form. And, and the WBS or project breakdown structure dictionary, uh, which describes the scope of each project breakdown structure element. So the index being the structure itself, the dictionary being that small description uh, um, per task, and I think I, I called it an index earlier, I made a mistake. It's the, the dictionary element is a, is a small description. Uh, <clears throat> the project breakdown should only be as detailed as necessary to permit unambiguous association of every hour of labor and every unit of currency with uh, the corresponding um, project breakdown structure element. So the question is, how far do I go down with this? Only to the point where every hour of labor and every rand that I'm going to spend can be uniquely associated with one of those project breakdown structure elements. And of course, if you plan on subcontracting a major part of the work, that's where you will stop breaking it down. The rest is the subcontractor's job to do the, the lower level breakdown. An example of a, a, a typical project breakdown structure index in a graphic form, uh, nothing funny here, we've, we've seen this many times, that's in the uh, indented list format. And if you use the indented list format in a spreadsheet, it's very handy to do the costing next to that as well. I just want to say, um, I want to ask you, sir, the costing you limit to your subcontractor, what about budgeting for subcontractors? Well, you would typically expect the subcontractor to, to provide you with a proposal or a quote for, for, the, for the work to be done. So you will break down the work uh, for all the items and services, you'll have specifications and say, you deliver that, provide me a quote that back once it gets to the stage of going out for tender. You don't have a, a budget prior to that. Thing. Well, uh, if, you, if you have to compile the budget up front, you need to be able to work on what you've done in the past, other similar projects. Um, I, uh, it, it won't make a lot of sense to, to, to go through the detailed breakdown of that element and then expect the contractor to do it as well. You would probably do the first or second layers uh, in order to get a, a better feel for, for the budget, what, what's uh, the scope of the money that we're talking about. In terms of the work practice structure dictionary, uh, this is an example um, of a typical dictionary with a short uh, description of what is included in that element. Sometimes even more important is to include what is not included in the element, uh, what 
uh, is typically the cost basis. Is it uh, um, uh, um, actual cost plus a profit margin um, or time and materials or whatever basis the costing is going to be done on? Um, <clears throat> very important point, uh, which I think is the key point in this whole presentation, is that the project breakdown structure must be product-oriented, not functionally oriented. And I'll explain to you uh, exactly what I mean with that. To be product-oriented, each element of the project breakdown incorporates at the next level down all of the products, materials, and services whether part of a deliverable or not, which needs to be brought together to create a high-level element. Um, and uh, I'll show you shortly a set of rules on how do you go about doing that breakdown that will explain this much better. So um, if I have to deliver a vehicle, all the, all the uh, products and services that I have to bring together in order to build this vehicle, will be on the next level down, whether, whether it is an actual deliverable to the client or not. Because very often we create items and services that are deliverables to the project to enable the project to, to uh, produce the overall product. So the set of products, materials and services reflects the plan for creating the element uh, um, or performing the service, whichever it may be. Product orientation contrasts with functional orientation, and that can best be shown in a, in a diagram. This is an example of a product-oriented <coughs> project breakdown structure. One level down, aircraft, support system, project management is a service. Uh, customer training is a service. Operational support test and evaluation is a service. So those are items and services. If I uh, <clears throat> uh, look at the aircraft breakdown, airframe, propulsion, power and lighting, communication, fittings, aircraft design, aircraft assembly and integration, test and trials, and uh, aircraft data. Uh, if, I'm, if I left out the aircraft assembly and integration, I would have had just a box full of components. You certainly won't have an aircraft. So all the services, including integration and testing, necessary at that level to deliver the aircraft uh, will be sitting uh, or will be included at, at that level. Uh, note the design there is a design related to the aircraft. It can be uniquely associated with the aircraft. And we can work ourselves down uh, that breakdown in a similar manner. If we look at this one, which is more a functionally oriented breakdown, Looks uh, similar at that level, except there is a component system engineering. And below that, all the system design, mechanical design, electronic design, electrical design, and software. So what have we done now? We've now sucked out a component of each of those and put it into an, almost an, an artificial structure. So uh, system engineering is, is, is a function to be delivered. It has to be done, but the system engineering can normally be uniquely associated with every item that you have to deliver. And if, and if you can do that, you stick it under the item. What we have here, I can never tell you for sure what the aircraft is going to cost me. Because all the system engineering related for the whole aircraft 
is sitting in that leg. So unless I keep very accurate book of what portion of that belongs to the airframe and what belongs to the power and lighting subsystem, I will not be able to tell you what is the total cost of the aircraft. And that's a big uh, distinction between the product orientation and the functional orientation in the, work, in the project breakdown structure. So the advantages of the uh, product-oriented structure uh, is that each set of adjacent elements in a branch uh, represents a complete set that I have to integrate to get the next higher um, item. In a functional structure, that's not necessarily true. In a product orientation, uh, <coughs> uh, each set of adjacent elements is a logical grouping for schedule planning purposes. If I plan the schedule for each of these, I get the total schedule for the item one, la uh, one layer up. The same would apply for costing, of course. In the product orientation, uh, the requirements of the containing element, the parent element, drives the requirements of all of the subsystems below it. Where in a functional orientation, uh, it can't because some of what belongs with this item is now sitting somewhere else in the, in the breakdown structure. It provides a, a framework around which to design a program of technical review and other verification activity because every item in that structure is a complete item on its own. You can have a, a review on any of those subsystems and the entirety of the work associated with that item is sitting below that item. And a framework for definition of supplier and customer relationships within the project, um, including internal supplier and customer relationships. Now, the next three slides contain basically a set of rules for how do you build a product-oriented uh, WBS. Uh, the first one is for a typical project that has uh, two or more deliverables which may be a mix of products and services. The next one is for a project that delivers only one product, and the third one for a project that delivers only one service. But the approach is the same. So the level one element is the project. To define what sits at level two, you ask the question, what products, be it physical, software, or data, are required to be delivered by the project? What do I have to dump on the doorstep of the, of the customer? What services are required to be delivered to the project? Uh, customer training, for example, would be a service that I have to deliver to the, uh, to the customer. What services are necessary internal to the project to deliver the project outcomes that are not needed uniquely to create or deliver a single uh, element from question one and two? And the answer to that one is always project management. At, at least that is a service that is delivered to the project as a whole. Uh, you would not uh, associate the, the portion of project management to this subsystem or that subsystem. Um, <clears throat> the fourth question, what products, if any, internal to the project that involve project cost and other resources are necessary to deliver the project outcomes uh, and outputs? and that are not needed uniquely to create or deliver just a single element. And an example there would be if you say you build a radar, but you need a calibration target, a tower, a mast or something with a, with a, with a 
corner reflector on it. I'm not going to deliver that to the client. I, I put that up at my production facility. It's a product delivered to the project, but it doesn't go to the client. But I can't do without it. I need that in order to complete the project. So that would be a, a, a product that is delivered internally to the project. And uh, from there on down, the next levels, you basically repeat that sets of questions to identify what are the products deliver, uh, deliverable or services deliverable to the next level and what is delivered internally to that element in order to realize that, that element. And, and, and similar for, for the other two. Sorry, yes. Uh, the, the thing about what products are this one yeah, they're number four. Um, if any internal to the project but it involves project cost and resources in the realization so my example of the calibration target it's part of my project costing so I, if you have a, a component that's common but used more than once in different um, sometimes give me an example like a laptop uh, or, or let's call it something more in, in a project specific, a weapons terminal. And you have different systems. Each of the systems uses a weapons terminal in order to realize uh, a node or something in, in the, your air defense system. But it's the same thing. So I just don't, in terms of, you don't want to, yes, it's a part, but it's, it's being developed. So the cost of creating it is once off, but it gets used. Well. One project will pay for the cost of development and the others will make use of it as CFE, client finished equipment. Okay, so you just need to know, show sort of that it's, uh, because you, you need to prevent it, you don't double count it. Yes. Yes. And not, not everything that we deliver to the client is, uh, um, is developed. Some of it is bought off the shelf, for example. Some may be client furnished equipment yeah. that he provides that we need to integrate into the bigger system yeah. solution. Okay, now, but um, I think my thing was more the fact that what happens if you, the software maybe you often get that, that you develop something and you use instances of that software in multiple other systems as well. So it becomes sort of tricky then to, to when you do your costing, not to do double counting, but mm -hmm. it's going to develop that library or something only once. But that library make it used in different parts of the software. So true. Question. Yes. So it's much like Tara's question, but if you have um, a product line or something, uh, and you, for a new project you want to make modification or extensions to existing uh, design. Uh, you then just add the work of the modification or the design work and you say the rest is an asset that you can use. Yeah, well, in, in, in that case, your project will be, the modifi uh, it will be a modification project. So the engineering associated with that and whatever components you need to deliver to retrofit to the other system, that, that's what you will be delivering from that modification project. You would use your dictionary to clarify yeah. All right, then, of course, like everything else, there's always a standard. Uh, somebody, somewhere, somebody has written a standard for this. And um, what I always say about standards, 
Don't read standards like you read your Bible. What is written in the standard, it was, there, it was written there, put by consensus, uh, a large group of people that, that, cons, uh, uh, that uh, agreed that this is uh, acceptable use. It's not necessarily good advice, as you will see. This uh, MIL standard 881B is very frequently referenced uh, for uh, work breakdown structures. Uh, <clears throat> principles are okay with qualifications. Um, individual service element scope descriptions are comprehensive, realistic, provide a useful starting point for, for tailoring the relevant ones to a specific project. Where this comes from, uh, I, and I'm being recorded now. Mm, I should be careful. My boss, I think, reads standards for light entertainment between 2 and 4 in the morning. And he writes commentary on these standards. So uh, he has, for example, a multi-page uh, commentary on uh, 15.288, the 2015 release. Uh, application notes for where you need to watch and what you need to watch out for in applying that standard. So uh, some of the weaknesses... Uh, of 881B is the use of template work breakdown structures for systems of various types uh, in the appendix. Uh, so they give a number of WBS templates for systems of various types, which completely goes against the principle of a product-oriented uh, breakdown structure. Because every project is unique and different. How can you give a template for a specific type of project, you do not know what the items and services are that that project is supposed to deliver. So it's completely against the principles of a product-oriented uh, breakdown. Uh, so they basically break their own rules with the WBS templates. Uh, <clears throat> and the concluding comment there should, uh, should offer some good advice. Thank goodness it has been cancelled. Mill standard 881C, uh, um, something of an improvement on, the, on 881B, which was terrible. Uh, it's still weak in capturing the essential meaning of product orientation. Um, <clears throat> principles espoused are variable. Um, use of template WBS for systems of various types, once again, does not work in a project environment where you uh, do product-oriented breakdown structures. Um, <clears throat> and as a recent standard, um, 881C represents an opportunity lost. They had an opportunity to fix the major shortcomings in 881B, and they didn't. The, this one is an Australian defense standard, uh, which is um, apparently much better. I haven't seen or used this one myself. Um, the principles are excellent. Um, individual elements, scope descriptions, generally well-founded. But it also has a weakness in that uh, they built in an artificial layer just below the project of mission system and support system. So they made the assumption that every project is going to have a mission system and a support system. So, uh, and, and those are not products or services to be delivered by the project. So if you take that out, if you ignore that layer, uh, the rest would be good to use. Uh, it's certainly much better to use uh, um, uh, as opposed to MIL standard 881. 
Then the PMI practice standard for work breakdown structures, uh, second edition, uh, also provides a good overview of the use of work breakdown structures, well organized and written, but it once again fails to capture the essential meaning of product orientation, uh, where in, in, in our mind, uh, product orientation is a non-negotiable uh, as far as project breakdown goes. They make use of a generic bicycle example, which is uh, not a good example, and I'll show you just now why. Uh, also, the example work breakdowns in the annexes are generally poor examples. Um, so it provides a, a useful background, but should be avoided as a primary reference for producing good work breakdowns. Now, this is an example of the, of the bicycle project uh, that they use in the work breakdown structure. And you can see the, the bicycle consisting of a frame set, a crank set, wheels, braking system, shifting system, uh, project management, we say needs to be there. It's a service delivered to the whole of the project. And then they have integration, which makes sense because if you don't have integration, you just have a box full of components. But then under integration, they include concept design, assembly, testing, component test, product test. So that seems to be integration and test for the whole project that they extracted into one uh, component. So they... That is the integration service for the whole of the project. Uh, where I certainly need integration to integrate those lot to, to form a, f uh, a frame set. And I need integration to, to, to produce the wheels, for example. Um, this would be a better representation of that example, where under each of those systems, you would have the design uh, of that subsystem then the components uh, and the uh, integration and assembly and testing associated with that subsystem of the bicycle. Now I know exactly what the braking system is costing me. All the work, uh, uh, all the items, all the services associated with it is, is underneath that one uh, system. Uh, yeah, but that's the integration and testing of all of that to give you the the complete bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, the product breakdown structure is embedded within the project breakdown structure. Uh, because it's a, it's a work product of system architecting. Um, um, it provides you the, the physical architecture of the item that you deliver. It's, it's embedded within the bigger project breakdown structure. Uh, the specification tree, um, are you everybody familiar with, a, with the use of a spec tree? Uh, it basically reflects the... the um, uh, hierarchical structure of specifications that apply to the project. And it's very tightly linked with the project breakdown structure. Because for every item in that structure, there's a requirement spec. For every service, there's a statement of work. And the specification tree would, would give you that tree structure of documents at a glance. 
the relation between the project breakdown and IPTs, uh, we saw on the very first slide how you can define team structures based on the, on the project breakdown, you know, including IPTs, would be, which would be the overarching uh, project team in the defense environment. I think we've been doing that for ages. The monthly uh, uh, project progress meeting with Armscore was typically an IPT because uh, the stakeholders are there. Uh, all the stakeholders are there, uh, um, the key engineering staff are there, uh, and, and the representatives from all the subparts of the project is normally there. Uh, <clears throat> so the IPT structure, or st uh, and we could have more than one IPT associated with a project breakdown, strongly related to the project breakdown structure. Um, <clears throat> you may assign more than one project breakdown element to, to a given IPT as well. In a functional organization, how do you relate the project breakdown to the functional uh, organization? If we have a manufacturing department, engineering department, a test department, um, and that will simply be, be mapped in a, matrix, uh, in a matrix format. So the antenna, there will be a cost account associated with the design of the antenna and one associated with the uh, um, manufacturing of the antenna, for example. And that many organizations, in fact, operate like that in a, in a matrix format, where they have functional departments and projects running across them. And the challenge there is, who do you work for? The project manager or the functional manager? Or the one that shouts the loudest? A uh, couple of uh, uh, hints regarding project breakdown. If a functional activity can be identified with a product element, uh, make it part of that product element. Don't extract it. Uh, make it a separate uh, item. Define the dictionary, uh, in the dictionary, the scope and nature of each product element, not its standards. Um, <clears throat> review all source documentation to make sure that Every item of a statement of work nature has been accommodated in the project breakdown structure. Uh, maintain correspondence between contracted and subcontracted activities and the project breakdown structure, element definitions. Use multiple PBS elements per contract to minimize uh, contract overhead costs. Um, remember that PBS is a management tool, it's not a specification. Uh, so we don't want to go overboard in terms of detail. Um, we, we don't normally include cost schedule and resourcing info in the PBS dictionary itself. That's uh, normally included in separate plans. Uh, <clears throat> accept a faulty project breakdown structure from a customer only if you have to. If the customer forces you to use small standard 881, one of those horrible examples from the appendices. Uh, and he doesn't want to understand the reason for building a product-oriented work breakdown. I would say do it this way and try and map it to what he wants. Um, because to do it otherwise is almost a guarantee that you're going to miss out essential stuff on the project. We keep the lowest level elements only small enough to be understood and managed by one person and large enough to justify the overhead associated with a separate uh, um, project breakdown structure element. And the, the, the breakdown is a living entity. 
you don't do this once at the start of the project. You revisit this probably at a monthly basis because uh, very often the, the, uh, the project breakdown structure will change because of new knowledge that comes up during the course of the project. Uh, <clears throat> in summary, um, it is a framework for definition and control during the conduct of a project or, or product. Uh, IPTs, if used, are uh, defined to closely align with a project breakdown. It must be product-oriented, uh, consisting of both the index and the dictionary, um, and develop it from first principles, items and services. Don't use a predefined template for products of a certain type. Any questions? The input of systems engineering to this effort, uh, I would presume that you would contract on a baseline basis and there would be a, a WBS focusing on the delivery activity. Yeah. If you have projects that run over a, a number of years, you would typically build a, a, a breakdown structure for per phase. That, that would be acceptable. Because you, you don't always, uh, you're not always able to predict what's going to happen five years from now. So building a project breakdown structure for the full uh, term of the project execution is not always possible. So it's acceptable to do it on a per phase basis. The other thing that you touched on, system, what is the role of system engineering in this? What do you think is the role of system engineering in this? Whose job is this? Project manager or the system engineer? System engineer provides most of the... Now there's, there's one um, definition which I would like to take away with you, in that project management and system engineering management is the same thing. System engineering management is project management conducted in an environment where you use the system engineering approach. If you overlap system engineering management tasks with project management tasks, they are 99% similar. Any respectable project, mani uh, project manager will, will be doing things like configuration management, data management, uh, requirements management. It's not uh, uh, um, unique just because it's systems engineering. So if you sit on one project, uh, the project management role with one person, system engineering role with another person, and they hate each other's guts, guess what? You're going to have a failed project. Because if they can't work like this, you're in for a, for a very rough ride. The, the, the project manager ultimately is responsible for cost, schedule, and technical integrity of what is delivered. But the technical bit is, is basically delegated to the, to the system engineer or the lead engineer. Um, but uh, the system engineering management is no different than normal project management. Nobody is fighting me. 
the ambit of what you define in the work breakdown structure, the, the system engineer, because of his role, would have more insight in that that ambit is adequate. Absolutely. The technical outcome. Absolutely. When it gets to costing and scheduling, even there the system engineer and the developers will have a major in input in estimating the amount of hours to do this job. The project manager will have a lot say in, in the pricing. There's a difference between costing and pricing. For to get the price, you multiply the cost with pi. Yeah. <laughs> Any more questions? Um, you mentioned briefly in one of the slides the, the product breakdown structure. So, um, in my mind, the, which comes first, almost that, and, and, and also the product breakdown structure is that, is that more actually when system and, and the architect becomes involved? And from that, do you then deduce what the product work breakdown structure must be? Yeah. The, the point there was to, to illustrate uh, or to say there's a difference between the product breakdown structure and the proje project breakdown structure and the system breakdown structure. The product breakdown structure is the part that you are developing with this project. The system breakdown structure is the breakdown of the complete solution to the problem. And not all of that is, is developed. Some of it may be bought off the shelf. Some may be CFE. Okay, so the work breakdown structure focuses only on that that needs to be... The, the, the work breakdown structure focuses on what the project must deliver. So it's typically stuff that will be developed. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, two clarifications. So the SOW is the uh, dictionary. Say again? The SOW is the work? The, yes. The dictionary. No, this, the, 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 the dictionary is that short description on a task-by-task -task basis of what the task includes. The statement of work if, say, I have an item uh, to do customer training, would be a specification of the training to be done and the standards against which the training must be done, etc. It's a full specification. For the services. Specification for the services, yes. In that example, you showed up the dictionary. It was very clear that, for instance, integration is excluded, but development is included. Um, but I'm trying to see the, the critical path. How do you bring it into that? Because there was no indication of inputs, outputs, um, relations to other tasks. How, how is that covered? I'm not quite sure I understand what you mean with integration is excluded. No, um, in the example you had of the dictionary there, it was quite clear as to what the scope of work is. That it, for instance, includes development but not integration. Okay, that might have been a particular example for a particular item in a structure. Yes, I'm, I'm not uh, focusing on design yeah. versus integration. It's, it's, the question is about how does the critical path come into this? Because in the dictionary there was no information that said what inputs you require from other tasks and what outputs you provide to, uh, to follow-on tasks. So surely your, your WBS and your critical path, there must be some... Well, uh, the, the, the critical path will come out when you do the overall project schedule. You, when you, you do uh, the budget and schedule estimates for each item, how much money is it going to cost me to build this thing and how long is it going to take me? 
but then you have to integrate that on the overall project schedule, and that's where the inputs and outputs come in, the, the, the dependencies. That I cannot do this item if I haven't got the outputs from that task feeding into this. Uh, exposure I had uh, typically I had a statement of work um, that would indicate inputs and outputs between WBS items. Now I understand from uh, the terminology you use here that uh, statement of work is really related now to services. Yeah. It would make sense uh, if you if you include if if a specific item uh, has critical inputs to include that in the in the description for that item. Yeah. Okay. I think that was very uh, useful and practical and uh, a nice talk that everybody enjoyed. So thank you very much and uh, thanks, Harold. Token of appreciation from Encozy. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Gerard. Please have some more wine and snacks. And, yeah.